today on Geekdemine Powers. And a lot of times they don't even include stunt performers' names in the credit, unless it's a feature. But on TV shows, it's like there really? was, nobody was even there. Yeah. And so, and there's not even any awards that recognize stunt performers. They're starting to be. There, there's things that are changing. Um, but yeah, the whole industry is is about being a good stunt performer, is being an invisible performer, knowing when to show up and when to fade into the background. You are listening to Geekdom Empowers, the podcast about people empowered through their geekiness. Welcome back! My name is Guy Hasson and this is Geekdom Empowers. Geekdom Empowers is the podcast that highlights creators and fans in the geek world who do not often get to be highlighted. It's these people, it's us who make up almost all of the geek world. By talking to each person, by hearing their stories, Geekdom Empowers creates a huge, giant, world-sized quilt of the geeks all around the world. Each person is a story, and together we are one story, one huge Geekverse quilt. We are in Hollywood Week, where we look at jobs that are often overlooked within, in this case, a lot of genre TV shows that we've all seen. Today's guest is Michelle C. Smith, stuntwoman, stunt performer, and professional badass, for sure, who worked in shows like Supergirl, Motherland, Hellstrom, The Magicians, Arrow, Smallville, Deadpool, among others. The list is long. If you get a chance, check out her videos on TikTok. The things she does are amazing. They are the things that got me to uh, to ask her to talk to us. Today, she'll talk about how she became a stunt woman, the path she'd taken, some of her experiences on the set, which are mind-blowing and not at all what you expect, and how she empowered herself by taking her own path. Let's listen. So, you know, the first time I was, uh, I saw you was when the pandemic had us all sitting at home and I mm-hmm. was on getting into TikTok and I saw a vid- videos of someone really cool to you yeah. uh, spinning around with all those uh, uh, um, uh, big sticks and I showed them to my three daughters and mm-hmm. that, first of all, it was really impressive and second of all, it filled a lot of time for them trying in the backyard during the pandemic, <laughs> those things. And then I've been seeing you grow and grow and grow. And then I saw that you were on Supergirl and on other things. And yep. then I had this uh, Geek Demean Powers thing where I talk to geeks around the world and also talk about jobs in the geek world that most people are not aware of. And, I okay. and I'm glad to to tune. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, your origin story? What My origin story. Yeah. Um, so I started as a baton twirler, actually, when I was five years old. And that's where a lot of my technique comes from. But I, baton was very serious for me. I was a very competitive athlete. I competed at the highest level baton had to offer, uh, which was the world championships. So by the time I was nine, I was competing at nationals. By the time I was 11, I was going to the world championships. And then I went to Worlds every year after that until I retired. And my two teammates and I, we were like the top three. Um, How did you get Canada? That? Like, did your parents push you into it? Like, what, what happened? I have no idea. My mom doesn't even remember. It's 
it's it's a strange sport to get into. Uh, it was a relatively small club in the city that I grew up in. And I don't remember where I saw it. I remember my first day. Uh, and I remember not really liking it for a really long time. And I don't think I really liked it until I got good at it, which took a few years. Like the first couple of years I was practicing, I wasn't very good. I, I'm naturally left-handed and we were learning most things in the right. So I think that more had something to do with it. But then something clicked for me when I was around eight. And after that, it was a very, very serious part of my life. It, I, to me, it, it was a full-time job. I trained seven days a week, 40 hours a week. Uh, we didn't have very many days off. We trained through like school holidays. We trained all day. And so like getting Christmas holidays was a bit of a bummer because we're like, oh, I'm going to practice all day during those days. Um, but yeah, it was, it was where most of my technique started. And because we were doing baton, you have to be able to dance and do gymnastics with your baton. So I also had a full dance competition and training schedule. I took ballet and jazz and tap and point and lyrical and musical theater, all of that. Uh, and then we were doing gymnastics as well. So it really set me up for my professional career to be able to do a variety of different things. And also it set me up to be able to learn a bunch of different things because I was so aware of my body and I had created so much uh, coordination and dexterity that what I realized as I moved into my professional career when I was 19, I moved to Vancouver. Uh, I started as a dancer, got into circus, was doing circus professionally for a bunch of years. And then that got me into stunts and acting and martial arts. But I realized along the way that because of my very deep background in baton and, and training so intensely that I could just pick up and learn anything and be quite proficient at it very, very quickly, which is an asset when you're working uh, in stunts, especially sure. because you're always sort of like on the go, picking up skills and training and that like that's part of your job is is to train. So I started there. Like I but said, that's, I that's started like Olympic level training, like seven days yeah. a week. That's yep. you had yeah. you really wanted to do it like yeah it was pretty intense and and the thing is is if baton twirling were in the olympics i would have gone to the olympics and i would have won medals in the olympics and and it, it's always a little bit of a sore spot when the olympics comes around where i'm just like guy just picked the wrong sport yeah. <sighs> um but it's fine another life uh but yeah, I moved into my professional career and, and circus is really where I really started branching out and trying new things. I did like the silks. I had a hoop act. I had a rope act. I did a partner balancing act and I was performing regularly on a professional level. And so I learned a lot about how performance can be a, an aspect of training and um, how to be playful in the performance. And I've like basically any type of performance you can do, I've pretty much done it. Uh, and then from there, I started moving into stunts and started learning martial arts. And then that's where I saw everything come together where I'm like, oh, I can take this technique and this training that I've spent my lifetime developing and combine it with this really cool way of moving that is complementary to what I've learned, but different. So it's still interesting to me. And then that's where everything that I've been doing in the last couple of years has, has really been blossoming and expanding and, and getting out there. 
Yeah, I, I like to take like a few of the stops in the middle. Like, how do you get into the circus? How do you get a job in the circus? Uh, well, because I was a professional dancer, uh, the basically the entertainment uh, industry, especially like the movement art side of it, we're all pretty closely connected. So when I was dancing, I had met another couple who had been working with a professional circus company called the Underground Circus. And I got a connection through them. And then I just started training with the Underground Circus. And I became one of their company members through that. So it just sort of found me indirectly. But Cirque du Soleil has always been on my radar since I was a young kid. So I've always known that there was an avenue into circus. And so I kind of just by the people that I knew and the connections that I had growing up and then where I went professionally, it just sort of appeared for me when it was time. I didn't actively seek it out. And then the same thing happened with stunts. I didn't seek stunts out. Stunts found me because again, the stunts community is connected to the circus community here and you meet the right people, get introduced in the right capacity and then uh, a doorway is opened. Here is in, in Canada, you mean? Yes, yes. And I would say pretty in, in any city that it has a, has a thriving entertainment industry, you're going to probably find the same connections. Hmm. And, oh, I have so many questions. So, so the, <laughs> what kind of martial arts did you uh, learn? I, I started with Muay Thai. Uh, that's where I went. I didn't go to weapons first uh, because I wanted to be a stunt performer. Um, you have to be able to fight And so I started with Muay Thai because I felt that it would give me the best base. Uh, and one of the, the feedback that I heard early on in my stunt career was that there's not enough female stunt women or female, there's not enough stunt women who can look aggressive enough in a fight. And I was just like, oh, watch me, here I go. Uh, so I started with Muay Thai and then maybe six months later, I started doing Kali Eskrima, like Filipino martial arts. And that's where the weapon side came in. And that stuff I pick up, like even to this day, I pick it up really, really quickly because I'm very comfortable with something in my hand. So it felt like my world just sort of expanded. And I, I saw uh, a vision of like, oh, if I really learn how to do this and do this well, Uh, I could really take this somewhere, maybe not necessarily within the martial arts realm, but I, I can use this training to my advantage. So what were you thinking at this stage? Were you like set on, uh, uh, what were you thinking is the future looked like back then? Back then, I was more concerned about how I could translate it for myself mm. creatively. Um, like what could I personally create with this? And not even in terms of, building a business or teaching people, I was thinking more in a performance realm of like, oh, I could learn how to do this and I could put together a really cool fight scene and it would be unlike anyone has ever seen before. So that's, that's where my mind went. And then I just started, I, like, I really believe in technique. I think that technique is there for a reason. So when we're doing drills, I'm doing them as like technically correct as I could do at the time and obviously you get better and better but then on my own I was playing with how can I add in a skill here how can I add in a skill there and every now and then you get a nice um, partner that you train with that will be patient enough with you to be like 
okay, I'm going to stand here while you figure this out and drop your stick 3 million times. And, and I'm very grateful that I've had very generous uh, training partners who've been willing to, to go through that process with me, especially at first when I was just sort of experimenting with things. And over time, I've developed a bit of a vocabulary of like, okay, I can put this skill here, this skill here, this skill here, this works, this doesn't work. This skill takes too much time in a fight. But in the right circumstances, it could be added in to look flashy. And so I just started like sort of cataloging over the years, uh, 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 some vocabulary that I could use, should I ever be on set or in a situation or have the opportunity to be like, oh, I got some cool stuff for you. Here it is. Because it, it, when you're on set, you don't have time for that. It just has to be there and it has to work every time. And that training myself for that has taken like my entire stunt career. Um, but even then, like, <laughs> like you build a fight and the first thing to get taken out of the fight is all the flashy bits. So it's always been a bit of a battle to, to enroll people in that. It's one thing to do it in training and put it on video and, it, and it's super cool. But um, to convince people that it's worth it has, has been always the battle that I've found. Why are the flashy bits taking out though? Uh, because often when you're on set and you do a fight, you're running out of time. And the thing that happens frequently on productions is they leave the stunt sequences to the last part of the day or they just want to rush through them and get to something else because they're not the most important sequences often they're a, they're a, a part of it but sometimes they just they don't appreciate the value of it and so they'll just get you through it and some a lot of times you build a fight you show it to them they're like great and then on the day they're like we got to cut that in half take this out take this out it have to end here mm. and the thing that comes out is the flashy bits because they just want enough to tell the story and move on what was your first job doing it um my first stunt job it, technically it wasn't a stunt contract but it was within the realm of stunts uh i did motion capture for Barbie and the Three Musketeers where I did some fencing. Um, but my first motion capture, okay, yeah. Motion capture, yeah. So that was for a cartoon. But then my first time where I was on set on contract as a stunt performer was for Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Mm -hmm. That would have been around 2008, 2009 when we were working on that. And I booked that job because of my circus background. They wanted acrobats. And then I, I was already, that was when I had just started to turn my focus from circus into stunts. So I was just a brand new baby in stunts. And I had some friends who knew what I could do with weapons, even though I wasn't like fully trained with swords or anything yet. Uh, I, I could, like I said, I can pick that stuff up really quickly. So like, show me what you want me to do. And I can do that and make it look like I know what I'm doing. And that's sort of where I was at at that time. And they needed more people and they needed some people to, to, it was like a, a camp scene where it's a bunch of, of these, uh, kids at a camp. And so I just the stayed, they, they cut the acrobatic part and they stayed and they're like, here's your shield. Here's your sword do some sword fights in the background. And that happens a lot when you do uh, stunts as is you you get paid to, to do fights all day. And that's what I did. And I, I started making connections there. And that was the first time uh, that I was 
on set in a, as a legitimate stunt performer. And I had a sword in my hand pretty much the entire time. That's uh, Christopher Columbus uh, uh, director, right? I, yes, I think so. I think that sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask if you met him then, but okay. No. Uh, I met him, but I don't, I don't remember him. All right. And how did you advance from there? Like, what, what are the next, what happened next? Then, then I just, that first initial bump in, into stunts, I spent about a month on Percy Jackson. Then I just started training full time in stunts and I was sort of closing down. Uh, I, I wasn't dancing anymore. I had just been doing stunts and circus and I just kept training. I kept doing Kali. I kept doing Muay Thai and, and just building my resume. And the thing is with, with any job in the film industry, like you're always battling to be seen. It is very competitive. It's very intense. It's very cutthroat. So there's a lot of time just spent trying to hustle. You got to network, you got to show up to places you got. We used to, when you're green, you like show up to set and just say, Hey, I was in the area when really you went there on purpose and you just hang out for the day because it's very much an industry based on connections. We don't use agents for stunt work. Every gig you get is because you've created a connection with somebody and stunt co coordinators, they want to know that the person that they're hiring, that they can trust them. And that is from building and establishing, establishing a relationship where they know that they can trust you. They know what your skills are. They know what you're good at. They know where your weaknesses are and know what the way that you could fit in and be of value to a production. So a lot of those first couple years were me just sort of trying to battle my way in and be seen and, and, be acknowledged for what I could do. And it was a battle. It took a long time. And I got work here and there. Um, I was also doing a lot of acting training as well. So I was actively trying to be an actor and a stunt performer and an acrobat at the same time. And then I was always teaching as my um, side gig. But yeah, it's just, it was just for me, the hardest part wasn't the skills. For some people, it's, it's about building the skills to to feel like they're good enough and like I was I was very good at training and that's where like I excelled is like oh I have this very deep uh background in skills and very talented and all of that but for me the hard part was the relationships because I'm not I'm I'm an introvert like for me going out to parties and showing up to people and calling people is really difficult for me so I was also learning how to how to be in that space, how to do the hustle, how to show up and be like, hi, I'm this person. This is what I'm here to do. And like, please get me a was gig, it, sort of that. Were there really down, like, was it exasperating? Were there really down moments or did you treat Oh it? yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I gave everything. And, and keep in mind that I've been training my entire life. All I've ever really known how to do is train. I never really got the opportunity when I was young to learn how to be a person. So mm -hmm. I am in a training environment. I'm really great at making friends outside of that. I'm so socially awkward. And it's like, to this day, this is the same thing. Like I, like, I'm not very good at like making friends. And so for me, it was really, really challenging. It took a lot for me to be like, okay, like, 
I'm going to pick up my phone and call this coordinator and like convincing myself to do that. So I was always like pushing further, but then I would sort of hang back and just rely on my training and hope that I'm meeting enough people in my training that my name will get passed around. And it did work here and there, but I really had to push myself to reach out on the more social relationship side of it. And, and really it was just about me establishing a way to do it that is aligned with who I am and how I operate in the world. And I think I've figured it out now. Um, but I felt that I was giving a lot in my career to my career and wasn't feeling reciprocated back. Like I would get a gig or two here and there and I was still yeah. doing circus and I was teaching but a lot of people I knew who weren't as skilled as I was were working. And, and I'm like, well, what, what is it? And a lot of it had to came down to me feeling confident in my skills because I've been an athlete my entire life. I'm never good enough. And like, that's what keeps me going is, is like, I just want to be better and better. And part of that, what I realize now in hindsight is that, there was this sort of attitude in me that I was not good enough. So I wasn't confident in being like, you should hire me. I'm the best at this, or I'm really good at this. You should hire me. Um, so there was a little bit of that, but I felt like I gave like my blood, sweat, money, tears, energy, everything that I had went into, like, it was all I think to thought about. It was all I did was trying to get work, trying to get better at the skills I'm doing and then just sort of get my foot in the door to this film industry. And it didn't feel like it was reciprocated uh, for a long time. Like I, I would work here and there and, and it would be enough. Like, like a regular person would be like, wow, you're working. And I'm like, no, I could do so much more. I have so much more to give. Um, and it wasn't until I sort of took a, st a, a step back from it that I was like, you know what, I'm going to focus on something else. I'm going to focus on building my own thing because I've so, I'm so much more than a stunt woman. I'm so much more than an acrobat. I'm so much more than an actor. I have so much more to give. I'm going to focus on that. And then we'll think about what I'm giving to my stunt career. And just that sort of switch was what changed things for me. Because I was really, I was, I've been teaching since I was 15 years old. So I've been teaching for over 20 years and I was starting to see, I was starting to realize that when I would get home from set or finish working, it was, I was just tired and I'm always looking for the next gig. But then when I would finish teaching, I would feel light and my heart felt good. And I, I was at peace and I started to realize that like, oh, there's something about that. And so I needed to make that shift, but I had to have a, a bit of like a dark night of the soul in order to get there. So I took a little break uh, for a couple months from the industry, did some soul searching, went on a spirit quest and then came back of like, okay, I'm going to do my thing. You guys can come to me. And, and so then that I played that game for a little bit, but just taking that break and standing up for what I'm great at is is what changed the game for me so was there really a spirit quest or was it yeah there was oh, i literally man. went on a spirit quest <laughs> yeah i uh had a moment this was back in 2012 2013 um i had been asked to lose a bunch of weight for a show that was my other thing is uh people called me like the fat stunt woman 
even though I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I trained a lot and it was just like, this is just what size I am. Um, but thank you. Uh, so I had been asked to lose some weight for a show and that had turned into a bit of an eating disorder. And cause I was, I just was following instruction. They are like, you do whatever it takes. Like they, they want you to, to give everything to be in this industry. And if you're not willing to do whatever it takes, then obviously you don't want the job enough and somebody else will take it. And like, that's sort of the mentality that surrounds the film industry, even to this day. And so I did whatever it took, developed a bit of an eating disorder, was really, really skinny. They gave that job to somebody else without telling me, but that's when I started working a lot. So as soon as I dropped 20 pounds and I was very unhealthy, uh, all of a sudden, I started working because I was the right size and I was having coordinators say, well, it's so nice that you're finally taking your career seriously. And I was just like, I've never not taken this seriously. I'm also actively harming myself right now when I'm being celebrated for it. So there was this like weird, like, oh, but the act of getting to that place where I was not eating that was my own internal battle. And so I was battling myself and then I was starting to see how I was being celebrated for that battle and for the harm I was doing to myself. And I just was just like, hold on, stop. And I sort of like woke up suddenly and had like this incredible awareness of like, I am not happy. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing it. And I've always been a very focused and determined person. That's what has served me at being one of the best at what I do throughout my entire life. And suddenly I was just blank, empty space. And, and so I was just like, I got to pause. Um, and then the, the universe started putting some things in my path of like, I felt I'm like, I need to go somewhere. I need to go on an adventure and I need to go for a walk. I've always really enjoyed walking. Um, I'm a bit of a grandma like that. And <laughs> so as I started saying that, that would have been like January of 2013, uh, the Camino de Santiago in Spain uh, started appearing for me. And it just worked out perfectly that I went and did the Camino de Santiago, which is an 800 kilometer walking pilgrimage across rural Spain. I went and did that in August of 2013. And I just like, I just put my entire career and life down and just was like, I'm going for a walk. And I just walked for 33 days and there was nothing to distract me. There was no light pollution. There's no sound pollution. Uh, It was sort of pre really, really smartphone era. Like there was not social media. I wasn't checking in. Like I had a Facebook page, but that was it. Um, But yeah, I just spent some time with myself for real for the first time in my life because I had always had this idea of who I needed to be or who I was trying to prove to someone that I was good enough. And, And so I went on that walk and just had a lovely time but it was also really challenging physically and emotionally and spiritually and uh, I realized that um, I'm selling myself short by continuing to play into this idea that I need to be someone when I am so many things and 
I can stand on my own. And so I came back with the idea that like, I have to build something. And I knew it had something to do with teaching, but that's all I knew. So I came back as a blank slate, knowing that you got to build something that involves teaching, figure it out. And then I just started from there and still continued in stunts, but was that's when I started posting more regularly on Instagram and social media, doing my thing, because one of the things that I had uh, always shied away from was showing people that I had these incredible skills with sticks or my batons because baton isn't cool. And I always got this, um, people are like, oh, you're a majorette. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I never marched. I like, it was like a full-time serious thing that was like figure skating and rhythmic gymnastics mixed into one. There was no marching or pageants involved in any of that. And so I've always been sort of ashamed of being a baton twirler. And I came back and I was just like, no, I have these amazing skills and I'm going to show people, but I'm going to show it to people in a way that they aren't expecting. So I didn't really play with my batons, but I started using my weapons that I had, my Kali sticks, the stabs that I had, all these things that I had picked up as I was learning martial arts. And I'm like, this is how I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to show it to you in the context of something that's like ultra cool and, and accessible and modern. And it, for, at first it wasn't necessarily about building a student base, even though it's like, I got to teach. It was about me showing the world what the vision, the creative vision that I had in my head. And that's pretty much the videos that I have of me just sort of showing off doing flashy stuff. That's pretty much it. It's just me sort of translating, like, it could be this. It could be that. You've never seen this before, so I wouldn't expect you to, to understand it. But, like, look at this cool stuff. Look at, look at how you can move and, and change the context of this to make it something really, really accessible and cool. And that's just where I started. So I was still doing stunts, but I was also building something on the side. And, and then it was about... 2015 where things shifted for me again, where I was working and working on really big shows and, and finally finding my footing as a legitimate stunt performer and somebody that had been around for a while and had earned their stripes and did their time and, and now was worthy of attention within the industry. Um. That's that's very telling. Like worthy of attention, period. Actually, is the truth. You know, within the industry, yeah. you're still not letting yourself be fully yeah. worthy of attention. Yeah, it's it's been it's still an ongoing process. Yeah, uh, I've I've since shifted again. My career really took off for me when I had the audacity and the confidence to email coordinators that I had been working with regularly, I, I emailed my, my favorite coordinators and I said, I have skills that nobody's using and I'm being underutilized. You should use me. I'm also a really great teacher and you need somebody who can train actors because that is a huge part of stunts is getting your actors ready to do their fight scenes. And a lot of stunt performers just don't have the patience for it. They just want to build and move on to the next thing where I'm like, I love teaching. Let me train your actors. And as soon as I put that out there, I got really great feedback from the people that I emailed. They're like, oh yeah, you would be a great person for that. But the universe sort of shifted and was like, oh yeah, that's exactly where you need to be. And then after, like, since then, I have been working in the film industry, not right now, because I've actively put the film industry down. But until I 
said like, no, thank you now to the film industry. There was like three or four years there where I was working full, full, full time, like double, triple booked on shows because I was either training actors or people were like, oh yeah, Michelle's like really good at this. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I've been here the whole time you guys. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was sort of like when I had the confidence to stand up for my career and stand up for my skills, that was reciprocated back to me. And it was, it's sort of like this, this lesson that keeps coming back to me of like, stand up for yourself, do your own thing and the opportunities will come and it, you don't have to chase anything. And I, I really hope there's a happy ending to the uh, eating disorder too. Uh, yes, there was. I, uh, I, when I came back from Spain, I, I, shifted uh I had gained a lot of weight when I was in Spain I walked 800 kilometers and gained a lot of weight it was kind of the opposite of what's supposed to happen um but it took three or four years for my body to fully heal I had gotten into some adrenal fatigue and um done some not great things for my metabolism but but yeah everything's great and and now I'm I'm very healthy and uh, I'm not a big fan of diets. I'm not a big fan of people losing weight for roles. I think that you just allow your body to be whatever it needs to be. You eat in a way that supports and sustains you. And for me, like I, I eat good food because it makes my body feel good. I need my body to feel good in order for me to do the things that I do. And so just sort of healing that trauma and not falling into the trap of diets. Like, I, I think that's all, it's just something to sell products to people, but we, we need to talk about how to eat a balanced diet and put good things in your food and stop eating processed food, but you don't need like the numbers on a scale don't mean anything. Cause if I were to step on the scale now, you like, if I were to put my weight, cause you have to put your weight on your resume for a performer. Like if I were to put my real weight on a resume, people would think I'm obese and I'm not. So like, why are we even paying attention to numbers? It doesn't mean anything. As long as you are healthy and you feel good, that is it. That's you all you need. You have to stay out of their heads. It's eating disorders are in yep. the head. Dancers watch themselves yep, exactly. in the video all day. And classic dancers yep. have to be light and yep. to, to be flown up. And apparently stunt women too. Uh, and yeah. actresses yeah. in Hollywood for sure. And, uh, yeah. And, it's, and it goes, in, it's a bigger thing than just diets and and fitness it's it's just a bigger thing of what we're choosing to show to people like the the representation in in all sorts of capacities whether that be race or gender or body type or like any sort of orientation it's is if if you're going to continue to just focus on on this one body type that's what you're validating whereas there's so many different types of people out in the world and there's so many different types of what healthy looks like and a lot of times those like very very small actors aren't healthy and they're and that like that's the thing is it's like you're trying to match an actor who isn't healthy but you need me to hit the ground and if I hit the ground when I'm skin and bones it hurts like hell and and that's when you get injured and so it's it, it's a bigger thing than just food and diet it's it's a it's about like what we're choosing to put out there and sell because the film industry and the entertainment industry is all about a product and and there needs to be 
they live inside their own bubble where this is the only thing that yeah. works. And then you have to be that being uh, in the movies. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's crazy. Okay, so, <laughs> wait, before we get to the teaching, you know, a lot of my audience watches uh, TV shows and movies mm-hmm. and stuff like that in, you know, in the geek world. And can you, like, like I know you're in Supergirl, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked on Supergirl a couple different times. Um, I worked on Smallville back when that was on. Arrow, I worked on a bunch of different episodes. Uh, what is there? There's Legends. All the CW shows are filmed here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So we pretty much just go to show, to show, to show, to show, to show. Uh, I worked on Motherland for the first two seasons. That's on Disney Plus and Hulu. Uh, I worked on C, which is an Apple TV Plus show with Jason Momoa. I was on Deadpool. I doubled one of the lead actors on Deadpool, the first one. Um, what else have I done? <laughs> the Magicians yeah. is on there. I, I'm like trying to go through my resume and I can't. There's Continuum, which was on Showcase. That was a big show in Vancouver. Yeah, uh, I saw it. Okay. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. My IMDb has everything. Oh, yeah. And, uh, um, but if I watch those episodes, would I recognize you or are they making sure that you can't see your face? Mm, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, the, the thing is with stunts is you have to hide yourself. Because if you see my face, that means I can't work on another episode as a different character. So we get very good at like hiding our faces. And then when we're doubling, you don't want to be able to see our faces, which is, it has been a frustrating thing for me as someone that actively wants to be seen and is actively trying to create my own thing is, is my entire stunt career I've been in encouraged to be completely invisible and a lot of times they don't even include stunt performers names in the credit unless it's a feature but on tv shows it's like there really? was, nobody was even there yeah and so and there's not even any awards that recognize stunt performers they're starting to be there there's things that are changing um but yeah the whole industry is is about being a good stunt performer is being an invisible performer, knowing when to show up and when to fade into the background. Mm. And it, that's what makes you a good stunt performer. And so, yeah, you probably won't see me. There may be a few things here and there where you'll see my face where I've been actively a character. Uh, but for the most part, you shouldn't see me, <laughs> even though like, I, I want you to know I'm there, Yeah. but you probably won't see me. I just flashed back to, uh, I don't know if you saw it, uh, an 80s series called The Fall Guy about mm-hmm. stuntman. Mm-hmm. And of course, he had stuntman in the show doing his stunts. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. That is, I remember you said something about um, uh, in Supergirl, like just before the corona hit, you were like, they told you, do, do whatever you want, like for a change and do something big. Yep. And then they shut down production because. Uh, yeah yeah that was just before the lockdowns hit so i that was the season five supergirl i can't remember what episode it was i think maybe like one of the last episodes in that season and i had a actor role i was Sela, the lightning god and it was like one of the first times in my career that they were like here's a staff just stand here and do cool things with it and then shoot lightning out of it, which they were all going to do in post anyway. So it was just like something, something cool, lightning strike, lightning strike. Um, 
yeah and I had all these cool wire gigs and like we were there for like two weeks filming all this stuff and then I wrapped that on like March 6th or 7th of 2020 and then went to Toronto like as soon as I wrapped that I flew to Toronto to do a rehearsal for another show and then everything shut down and they ended up making that episode that I worked on Supergirl the season finale because they couldn't shoot the rest of their episodes I, I never watched it but like I don't think that they kept a lot of the stuff that they that we did because they had to change the story and like everything just shut down and I the show that I had gone to Toronto for to do the rehearsal for I was I had come back I was I went Sunday to Wednesday in Toronto came back was working Thursday Friday in Vancouver on a show finishing off the season um, on Hellstrom, the Marvel show, and then everything shut down. So I never even got to go back to Toronto to finish that gig that I had rehearsed for. And I was actively packing when they're like, mm, actually, everything's going to shut down. I was like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> I guess I'm not going to Toronto. And I was probably going to be in Toronto for three months at least. They shut down Toronto too? Everything shut down. It's like yeah. the, that's when the whole world shut down. And... Like, it was fine. I wasn't upset about it. Actually, I was kind of relieved, actually. And that said a lot about wh what I was feeling about being a performer. It was like, oh, I can relax. I don't have to worry about work. Because it was starting to become that I was getting tired of performing and anxious about hurting myself, which as a stunt performer, you don't want any anxiety about hurting yourself. And I was, I was already like in pain and be like, oh, this hurts and this hurts. And like, if I work, I'm going to have to hit the ground. And I'd had a bad wire pull in February where I snapped my head and landed on my hip bad. And no. I was just like, I don't want to hit the ground right now. Like my body doesn't want me to do that. And then everything shut down. And I was just like, oh, I have space. I don't need to even think about that. The, the threat of going to work. And it's funny that I would say the threat of going to work wasn't there and and that told me a lot about where I was at in my career at the time and then that's when I just shifted gears I gave myself two days off and I shifted gears and just went full out on my um teaching stuff and haven't really stopped since so now the main focus is on teaching yes yes yeah I did a little bit I worked on motherland throughout this last year I tried to work in film part-time to see if I could still build my online academy and my uh social media up and it's really you can't work in film part-time it doesn't work it it, it de demands so much of your attention uh so yeah now I'm just fully teaching the entire time now I'm building up my student base online and in my online academy the freestyle staff academy and yeah just going full out on that because it's it's way more fulfilling for me than trying to play the game of being a performer. Also, I've just been performing since I was five years old. I'm, I'm bored, I'm tired, I'm ready to move on to something else that's exciting. I'm ready to take everything that I've learned being a professional performer at a really high level. And how do I apply that to being an entrepreneur and a speaker and an educator and a content creator and, and have the ability to do my own thing. Because the one thing about working in film is you're always going to be answering to someone. Even if, because I was getting into coordinating and fight coordinating as I 
this last year when I was on Motherland and the fight coordinator door is wide open to me and I'm very good at it, but I don't want to live on set. It's very, very long days and there's any number of people ahead of you that you have to get their approval from to do things and you're on somebody else's schedule and, and you're never going to be the boss, even if you're running your own department. Whereas I can have my own company and be the boss and I want to be the boss. <laughs> and so I, I just made that shift. I'm like, I'm going to take everything I've learned, apply it to my company and share the experiences that I've had with my fan base and my followers and my student base. And I have this lifetime of knowledge, not only in technical staff spinning, but also like performance experience, what being a professional and how do you use these skills in a professional context? What it's like being in a professional context, what it's like performing and you talking about mental health and anxiety in performers and, and athletes. Like I have all of that has been my entire life experience. And that is so valuable to people. And I, I, it's not for me to keep. I, I didn't learn these skills just for me to keep them. I learned them so that I could pass them on and help evolve people and help people better their lives and, and feel better about their lives. And that to me calls to me way more than being a performer. Like it's so much more fulfilling and it's fun and it's exciting and I'm out of my comfort zone every single day. And yeah, I really like it. That's amazing. And you sound like an entrepreneur yeah. when you talk. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very jaded around the film industry. <laughs> no, but it feels more than that. It feels like you have, you have the power, the ability to do, which not everyone has. Yes. And selling yes. that all, uh, um, you know, the shy people uh, are mm -hmm. sometimes find it hard to go out and do, uh, you know, the big stuff. Yes. And yes. it sounds like, you know, You're running your own business, which is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And how do you see the future now? Well, I'm currently expanding my Freestyle Staff Academy. I just launched a new free course. Um, we've just relaunched my entire academy just in the last couple of weeks. Like it's, there's a lot happening right now. We've been like head down focused on on building up this academy and I've had it for a couple years but we've like revamped it and gonna put some more ads into it and then I just this weekend I filmed uh, intermediate academy and then there'll be an advanced academy and that's all gonna sort of happen over the next year so I would love to get as many people as possible learning how to spin a staff and having a great time doing it I just want people to learn it because it's fun and it really is beneficial To your life like you can learn these skills and feel really cool but also it, it's affecting your life in so many other positive ways like you're more coordinated you have better memory your focus is better because you're really actively using your brain to do these skills uh, but also I want to move into public speaking I've always wanted to be a public speaker before I even wanted to be a stunt performer I wanted to get into public speaking And I also want to write a book. So like, I'm just shifting and going a whole new direction of like, I can take everything that I've learned of being a performer at a high level and just apply it to being me <laughs> at a high level. I don't have to perform. I don't have to put on a costume. I can just show up as myself. And I'm really excited to do that on a, a larger level. My social media is growing very quickly, which is nice because I've been working on it for a really long time. 
But yeah, it's it's really about uh, creating a community for me right now. I think that that is the future is is creating a badass community that of people that want to learn freestyle staff spinning and are learning freestyle staff spinning and creating a community that's safe and open and inclusive um, because the staff is a staff. You can, you don't have to be a certain type of person to spin, to not spin a staff. Like it is available to absolutely everyone. And I want to cultivate that environment. And I, if it's a, a way that I can help make the way the world a better place, then that is my small piece in something towards moving to a, a more peaceful, friendlier, loving, supportive, compassionate world. That's so great. And, you know, that's, <laughs> that's what the podcast is about. It's about, um, is Thank there anything you. No, you want I'm to happy speak? to share. Is there anything? Uh, no. No. Okay. Yeah, I, I, my free course is launched. It's freestylestaffspinning.com slash free course. If you go to my social media, it's at michelle.c.smith. Um, my bio has all the links you could ever need from me. Like any questions that you have, my bio link is going to have it all. It's got the link to my free course, uh, where to get a staff, my YouTube channel that has tons of tutorials, my website, uh, my IMDb is linked in there. <laughs> like anything, anything that people want to know is going to be available through my social media. I'm on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube regularly. I love hearing from people. I try to respond to as many messages and comments as possible. I get a lot of them. So can't get to everyone, but I try to engage with the community as much as possible and, and encourage people and just continue to, to help people find their way into staff spinning and beyond. Thank you so much for Michelle and for being so open. That was truly amazing. I hope you enjoyed it. Look her up on TikTok. Do check out her videos there. They are so impressive. <laughs> Uh, her website, her TikTok, her YouTube, her Instagram are all links to all of them are in the show notes. So click on those and next time, because there's always a next time we have a huge geek sized quilt. We talk to a man who creates his own universe of science fiction movies completely independently. So subscribe and come back in two days for the end of Hollywood week. What did you think about this episode? Email me at guy.hasson, that's H-A-S-S-O-N, at geekdomimpals.com. The website is geekdomimpals.com, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We are all, all of them are at geekdomimpals. My name is Guy Hasson, like I said, and if you want to check out my other podcast, the daily The Squash Buckler Dies podcast, which is an experiment in epic fantasy, unlike anything you've ever seen, Feel free to check it out. The Squash Buckler dies. I will see you next time. And for now, have an empowered day.